Welcome to the Mutual Aid Society podcast. I'm your host, Salamawit. Mutual aid is a term that has varying definitions. Here are just a few. Merriam-Webster Dictionary says it's reciprocal aid and cooperation as among men and social groups. FEMA defines it as the timely and efficient sharing of capabilities in the form of resources and services upon request. A more modern definition given by trans activist Dean Spade is, it's a form of political participation in which people take responsibility for caring for one another and changing political conditions not just through symbolic acts or putting pressure on the representatives in government, but by actually building new social relations that are more survivable. I created this podcast to explore the various forms of mutual aid that can exist within communities and how it often goes beyond money or financial support. Today's guest is Ogemdi Ude. Ogemdi is a Brooklyn-based Nigerian-American dance artist educator, and birth and postpartum doula. She graduated magna cum laude from Princeton University with a degree in English. Her performances focus on black femme legacies and futures, grief and memory. She aims to incite critical engagement with embodied black history as a means to imagine black futurity. Her work has been presented at numerous places such as Recess Art, Brooklyn Arts Exchange, Dance Space Project, Gibney, and BAM's Dance Africa Festival. She's a 2021 Dance Web Scholar and a Lower Manhattan Cultural Council Creative Engagement grantee. With her creative collaborator, Rochelle Jamila Wilbin, together they are 2021 Create Change Artists in Residence with the Laundromat Project. They created Afro Peach, which is a series of free dance and movement workshops for Black postpartum people in Brooklyn. Hey, Ogemdi, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. It's exciting. Hearing you introduce the work is really exciting. Your bio is incredibly inspiring and impressive. And I hope when people finish listening to this, they see that when you pursue what you love, it can take you through to many different places and, and many different roads. What I'd love to do is start from the beginning. So where did you grow up? What was your environment like? I was born in Queens. Um, at Elmhurst Hospital, but then I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, but a little bit outside of Atlanta in the suburbs with my big old Nigerian family, uh, three siblings and my parents. But we grew up in this town for the most part called Stone Mountain. And I was there until high school where I went to boarding school in New Hampshire. And at this point in time, Rochelle, who's my collaborator in Afro Peach, who isn't present right now, but this one, our bios start to really parallel each other, being both Black girls from the South who went to these boarding schools that were like sister schools, and then going wow. to, Rochelle went to Columbia and I went to Princeton, going to these PWIs in the tri-state area. So at that point in time, after I graduated, I was moving around for a bit. I moved to Berlin for a little bit to do a dance program. And then I moved to Australia to do research on, at, at the time I was pursuing research, I'm trying to compare indigenous experimental performance practices out in Melbourne with Black American mm-hmm. performance practices in New York. And then that project just kind of transformed into 
me figuring out how I wanted to how I wanted to engage and collaborate with other artists and how I wanted to prioritize Black folks in my work and what global Blackness looked like and how prioritizing global Blackness could function in my work. And so after Australia, I moved to New York full time and I met Rochelle at the very beginning of 2018 when I just moved here. And we did a doula training program together that fall. And then we just really wanted to figure out how do we balance doing dance work with doula work? What does that look like? And so we came together to be each other's backups. So in the case that someone was on call, had a birth that they couldn't attend or that they needed help with, the other person would show up. And then we wanted to see how can we also pull our collective knowledge that we have kind of come through over the years and see how we can angle it in a way that will be supportive to Black postpartum and birthing people. Yeah, that's kind of the arc of things. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing. It's interesting. So it seems like you have had like a life full of many transitions, like transitioning in place, transitioning maybe between different cultures then some of your work focuses on offering support or facilitating or examining to natural life transitions like birth and death is this something that you saw in your childhood like did you see anybody growing up who had a role of being a doula or being a birth worker that made you think I want to do that later or when did you come to that realization Mm. Yeah, thank you for pointing out transition. Transition is the role of a doula supporting someone through a major life transition instead of that weird, like, Greek old definition of it that's like women servant. Um, <laughs> but I didn't have anyone in my life growing up that embodied doula work to me or birth work. I have so many cousins, so many that Mm -hmm. there was always a baby (laughs) around (laughs) there was always a baby around and so I very much was always obsessed with being the one to take care of my little cousins and I'd always been really obsessed with babies when I was a baby I'm like I want to hold them I want to change them I want to take care of them but that was the closest thing that I had to like a divine interest in working with people who are going through the transition of labor and delivery. But what happened, I think, is that I became more interested in seeing what it was like to support folks at various stages of their life. And so going back to transition. But at that, at the time I started training, I was working at the public theater and their public engagement. Yeah. And their public engagement and public art initiative called Public Works, saying public so many times. We, (laughs) in doing that, I ended up working with hundreds of people who were taking our theater classes throughout the five boroughs Mm -hmm. and then coming together to put on this big show every summer. And it was amazing because, you know, the youngest person in the group was three years old. And I think the eldest person in the group was 80. 
And so wow. I was really used to every day in New York being consumed by an actual intergenerational space and creative environment. And so when I decided to transition out of that work and wanting to be more direct and one-on-one and hands-on with how I could show mm-hmm. up for people instead of doing such big projects all at once all the time, mm-hmm. I was thinking, how can I be there for people at these at these stages that I might not have found before? And so it felt like, well, I work with babies, but I don't work with people who are about to have babies. And I work with elders, but I don't work with people who are, um, who have immediately just had a baby or people who would be considered older for having a baby, which I always find ridiculous. Like I have a very, very, I take a lot of pause at someone saying, oh, you're growing older, so you can't have a baby anymore. Um, But I wanted to get into the details of what it meant to support people. And I saw that for myself, I hadn't been showing up for people at that specific stage. And if I wanted to show up for Black folks in my work, it would be necessary to think about and to pursue all of the spaces that I could show up for people. Was there a specific person or a memory in your childhood that you can think of that sort of showed you what mutual aid is or community development or sort of holistic Mm. healing? That's a great question. I think there are a couple. One that most immediately comes to my mind, particularly when I think of this work, is my uncle, who, rest in peace, passed away a few years ago. But he was really influential in the way that I thought about family and also chosen Mm -hmm. family and parenting, because Mm -hmm. he was someone who didn't have kids until, quote unquote, later in life. And it was so striking to me to see the shift in his way of being with people when he had kids and what I thought to be his personality without kids versus what I saw to be his personality with kids. And so he was just someone who was very responsive. And I found that, you know, you... One of my favorite things is to witness people witnessing someone else do something that they're really amazed by. And so it's like, (laughs) I don't know, it's kind of like that meme of, I don't want to compare my uncle to Kris Jenner in any way, shape or form, but it's that (laughs) meme of exactly just Kris like recording Kim and being like, oh my God, I'm so proud of you, sweetie. And we all love to watch Chris doing that because there is some obsession we have with people being so excited by other people. And so my uncle is someone who I would get so excited witnessing him with his kids. Like I have this very distinct memory of his kids who are all about, who at the time I think had to be One was a few months old, one was two, and the other was probably like five. It was, it was something I'm, I'm, no, I'm right on that age. Okay. So that's pretty good. (laughs) Thank you. Cause it's my little cousin, the one who I'm talking about in this memory, it was his, it's his birthday today, his sweet 16. So I'm like, and this was 10 years ago. So I, so he was five, six at the time, but 
they were all watching Dora the Explorer and singing along to Dora the Explorer and so excited about it and just like all off off key but also off like out of tempo with one another just going Dora like all of them at the same time and I just saw my uncle like light up while watching these kids and just (laughs) if I could describe his personality beforehand which was always funny but still like drier sense of humor could be really serious is a veteran has like a has like a deep had a depth to him that was really that was that wasn't as kid friendly prior to having kids Um, and I would just see him like his his whole self just really shifted when he would witness his kids feeling so excited about this thing that was in front of them they weren't even looking at him they were looking at something else and so I felt Mm. like that what might seem like you're witnessing something in one direction of his kids aren't paying attention to him but being really marveled by what was on tv and then him paying attention to his kids be marveled by something else and then me being marveled by him paying attention to his kids that are marveling at something else it kind of just it has always been this really illuminating moment for me where I both felt this really strong connection to parenting and what it meant to just be, what it meant to just be in awe of the life of someone else. But then also when we're thinking about who have been these luminaries in my life and in being younger, he's a hundred percent a luminary, but that moment of just realizing all it takes is is an investment and an yeah. absolute like excitement by someone else that feels like something that I'm always trying to get at in work. Like I love being excited by other people and I love, yeah, I, I loved how I could witness that in him. So that feels like a person who I really think of when I think of this work. Wow, that was a beautiful story what do you feel now like as an adult and and doing the work that you do what are your guiding beliefs and values oh great question black folks are my priority particularly black femmes it guided me in my path to doula work as well because learning more about um the black maternal mortality crisis when i was younger and wanting to understand more about it and how I could intervene and be supportive in it. And while also simultaneously feeling deeply impacted by it on a personal level, Mm -hmm. as someone who wants to be a parent at some point in this life, I felt really engaged in how can I protect, show up and support others who are like me and really be there and ride it out with them. And so that's definitely from a place that I always, I always feel like I, I get to be very lucky that a lot of the things that I stand for are just deeply engrossed in who I am and deeply rooted in me. And I have these personal individual stakes, but that's also the thing about being a black femme or a black woman or a black mm-hmm. queer person. You get to be the center of what you're also fighting for because for your life to be lifted would mean the lifting of everyone else's life around you. And I'm guided by that. I'm guided by 
the people who look like me who are my friends and the people who look like me who aren't my friends and also taking a really active role in what care looks like. I feel very driven Mm -hmm. by care as an activity and an action and interactive and present for others in a really specific and decisive way. I'm driven by an absolute obligation to my mental health and to supporting the mental health of others as best and as boundaried as I can. I'm also just really driven by grief. I'm driven by a lot of love for those who I've lost and a lot of intention and excitement and investment in those who other people around me have lost. I'm someone who I will always want to talk about someone who died in someone's life. I just think that like, it's so, that person is always going to be so illuminated because the way that we talk about the people we've lost is with such, it, it, it just really is a way that we try to talk about people when they are still here, but it doesn't always happen that way. And so that really drives me as well, especially because I think when you enter a club of experiencing more death, you realize how much you want to talk about death Mm -hmm. and talk to other people about who have died, because you would also really like to talk about who's died in your life. And there's a lot of, yeah, investment and interest. And it feels like a place where I really um, find a lot of comfort and love. And at some point in my more stable future, I really want to be a death doula. But wow. I see for myself that I'm not getting there anytime soon. But it's definitely another transition that I would be so honored to support people in. Wow. I mean, especially, I mean, it's powerful to hear you say all of this because, you know, we've all endured some form of grief especially in the last year and a half and going (laughs) so what you're talking about is is really timely and it's also something that a lot of people need support on do you consider what you do as mutual aid or has anyone described it that way to you I hope it can be more than it is at this point in time I think that I'm a very, or not I think, I know that I'm a very young doula. Rochelle and I are a young doula. And we're very, I'll now go back to speaking just for me, but I'm very excited and honored whenever I can support someone. And I say, I hope it can be better at being mutual aid simply from like a doula services place based on wanting to find a balance between how can I help make a living with this work and also show up for the people who need it the most. And so balancing clients who you can afford to take on with clients who might not be able to pay a fee for the work is always something that feels really distinct in how we, Mm -hmm. how I continue to grow in my practice and making sure that I do find that balance. But being able to offer something that feels more rigorous and widespread in its care and that feels more based in mutual aid is this project that Rochelle and I have taken on of Afropeach 
since it feels like something where we get to take knowledge that we continue to work on as mm -hmm. doulas and dance artists and process it in a way that can be enriching to the community that we see as most vital to receiving these services. And it's also a place where we can get support from organizations like the Laundromat Project to do this work, where we don't have to only be engaging in the back and forth exchange of, oh, I wanna show up and provide this service, but I also am in my twenties and need to figure out how to pay rent this month. And so I really <laughs> love being able to, <laughs> to work on Afro Peach from, real. yeah. I love being able to work on Afro Peach from that perspective of we get to come here with all of our best selves and all of the things that we actually feel good in sharing and that we feel like they can be of some support to others, particularly from a place of also finding support with ourselves in our own womb journeys and bleeding journeys through the use of movement and dance. And so that definitely is a place where mutual aid comes in and is enriching. And in my personal doula practice, it's something that I'm trying to continue to suss out. How can it be more steeped in that while also me being able to balance this, the day-to-day -day that I need? That you need, yeah. Well, I'd love to, you know, let's dive in. Tell me, tell the listeners more about Afro Peach what the, the name of it means, how you guys came up with it, was it inspired by a specific event, and then what are you hoping it evolves into? Thank you. Yeah, great questions. Afro Peach, yeah, as I was mentioning before, we started Afro Peach in the fall of 2018 when we, or was it? Yes. So after we were doing our doula training, we got together and just started listing out things that we could offer, things that felt tangential to direct birth doula support, but that could be something that might be enriching to that community. And so we were talking about postpartum and prenatal yoga. We were talking about different somatic techniques for injury prevention and rehabilitation. We're talking about creative movement and how creative movement is both can be an emotional and a mental practice as well as a physical practice. And so we started to just get into these things. Rochelle is an herbalist as well and a Reiki practitioner. So we were listing things from that angle as well. And I have a lot of experience in public engagement and education. So that's where I was coming from. And we were like, okay, what do we do? What do we do with these things that we want to offer? And so Afro Peach is now transitioning from this incubation stage that we've been in into the execution stage. That's what we've been thinking in for um, the past couple months and for the months ahead. But we first we're in a residency with Gibney, which is an arts and dance center in lower Manhattan. And so that's where we started to take all of these ideas that we'd been listing out and then putting them together in a type of format that could be deliverable both to people and then also to funding 
to funding bodies and other structures that we needed to receive support from. And so we started kind of writing out an organizational plan and, and figuring out the types of mentors, resources, and partnerships that we wanted to establish with this work. And after that Gibney fellowship, we transitioned into our residency with the Laundromat Project, which has been so exciting, particularly with a lot of pedagogical alignment and desire to learn in the space that is the Laundromat Project, which is such a force of really being present with community and knowing what it means to open up and act creatively and effectively in the space that you're in without trying to be bigger than you need to be. And so we are in the midst of that residency with the Laundromat Project. And over these past few months, we have continued to sharpen our educate our organizational focus, but then also have had some Zoom classes where we've been doing somatic work, yoga informed work, and then creative movement work and some writing prompts as well. We've had open open dance, we call the club Afro Peach, where we bring people together and just get a playlist going and get people moving in their homes. We hope to launch in-person programming this year. It's been interesting because I'm thinking of this developmental timeline and we've had COVID and you don't ask pregnant and new parents to come out during COVID to move with one another. And so we've been both having these soft launches of Zoom offerings, but now we're um, pivoting towards on-demand offerings. And so building up a website, and we're kind of in these background stages now of building up our website with different recipes for everything from belly bombs and to teas to different tinctures that are for aid in postpartum to to movement classes yoga classes meditation classes that will all be offered through our website for people to reference whenever they would like and to help establish some sort of community practice and understanding of our work prior to our eventual in-person launch that will come in whatever near future. But Afro Peach as a name arose from me and Rochelle being these two Black girls from the South who have an obsession with peaches and obsession with how we can be, continue to really be rooted in ancestry in the And even though Rochelle is from Tennessee, as I said, I'm absolutely a Georgia peach. And so that came into our name. It just fit. I'm so excited at the idea of us having these huge classes full of people and everyone moving together, moving with their babies and all these things that, you know, you envision when you start putting together a project and then realizing that everything is a constant game of pivoting and pivoting particularly yeah. during a pandemic is another game and so we've had a lot of loving input into this work and we're just excited to turn it over to the community in a big way when um, the community is ready for and can be open to that safely 
Wow. Um, that sounds amazing. I can think of a couple of people who would love to take those courses who are moms or who are going to become moms. It is a timely and necessary offering that you guys mm. are putting together. What are your thoughts about technology and mutual aid, especially as mm. you're saying that we're sort of restricted in the way that we can meet in person? How mm. have you found it helpful or restrictive in the mm. work that you're doing? From a creative perspective, I have had a lot of difficulty transitioning to mostly virtual offerings over the past year and a half. I'm very invested in live, liveness, being present with people, yeah. um, feeling people's bodies, being, being able to emote and express with people in real time. And so out of a, a very hesitant place of continuing to connect with people virtually, it was hard for me to think about the role that technology and this virtual space might play in Afropeach. But now that we are working towards populating our channels with on-demand content, I feel more excited by the opportunity to just have these, to have these concrete or these discrete offerings that we can give over to people and that they can take at their own pace. So something that I'm always going to be deeply excited about creatively when it comes to the virtual space is people learning and engaging and entering into something on their own time. And I think that dance could be very impactful. A dance class would be impactful in a completely different way if it was, hey, take this dance class while you are cleaning your apartment versus get out your house, get on the subway, get to the studio, take this dance class, get back on the subway, this is this, and yada, yada, yada. I think being able to fold in these practices to your day-to-day movements and attendance to space and spirit feels like what's most necessary. And so I've been grateful that we can figure out ways to join people where they are and not ask them to step outside of themselves in their day-to-day to receive support. But I've mm-hmm. also you know, felt a huge desire to really be present with others and to move with others. And I think that's something that so many of us feel so deeply in our bodies, that feeling of like, I feel like even the friends who wouldn't go out and go dance at parties or something are like, I just want to go dance at a party. Like, that's what I I want to feel people's bodies Mm -hmm. around me moving expressively. So trying to find that balance and trying to be excited by what we can offer people in real life, in real life for them, even if we're not present in that space with them. What does community mean to you? Community to me is where I go to feel valued to the place where I can offer the best aspects of myself or offer the aspects of myself that feel that I feel most excited to offer. So I think about the difference of I think we've all been in spaces where, you know, we have all skin folk, aren't kin folk moments. Oh, God. And, <laughs> like, 
Absolutely. Oh, I don't know. We got time to go down that way. Like, and that's a conversation that we can get into and we'll go to a place of a lot of tears and a lot of frustration and a lot of fights. I also think, you know, we fight hardest. We'll always fight hardest with the people we're in relation to. But to me, I'm trying to think of community a bit, a bit more, to have a bit clearer focus in it and so to know like my values and my drive is working showing up for black folks and particularly black femmes but then recognizing my community to be those black femmes who share similar values as I do mm-hmm. and are invested in me as an individual and not just me as an idea or as an automatic member of their community and so I'm trying to think a little bit deeper about who do we choose. And I am excited to be in community with people that I have chosen and people who choose me. Who are the guides in your life and your artistic practice? Like, are there specific communities in your work as an artist and birth worker? Yeah, absolutely. So in awe of so many people. I really geek out in a big way quite often and still with all respect and excitement in the world. I'm not saying that I'm an easy fan, but I am very blown over by people. But even in the immediate, I feel very connected to working with Rochelle. Like she has taught me so much and she continues to every day. And we are still distinctly different people in a lot of ways. And so I appreciate learning um, from her, from her places of knowledge of land, earth, farming, gardening, and herbal medicine. Those are things that I continue to develop a relationship to with the guidance of Rochelle. One of my dearest friends, Sela Hampton, is someone who I've danced with since I was 15 years old and who I still work with in every creative project that I pursue. She's someone who really knows how to open the door to ideas that fester in my head. And it's amazing to find a thought partner like that who really is like, okay, let's bring it out. Let's get into, let's see what this idea is and what it wants to be other people that I get to work with that I'm so excited by. I have a collaboration with another dear friend named Sydney King, where we create this space for altar building based on these grief movement meditations where we talk with participants about a loss while engaging in these ways that weight and pressure and presence sit in your body And then we would cast their bodies in plaster and make these mold shapes that would then contribute to this larger altar. And so Sydney is someone who I'm in dialogue with and creative collaboration around how grief is worn and expressed and exchanged. And she comes from a photography and visual art background. I continue to learn from her as well as she pulls out the visual art aspects of my brain that I used to really be deeper into when I was in high school, but not into as much anymore, but always wanted to get back into. And then I would say like every class that I've taken led by a doula, 
every every doula that I've been able to witness work. Organizations such as Ancient Song, who they're a doula organization based in Brooklyn, who are so explicitly and clearly and beautifully about showing up for Black birthing people in a way that drives and leads the whole charge of birth workers in New York. So that's an organization that I deeply care for. And then I think about, there are so many Black dance artists, particularly Black femme choreographers and performers who I, witnessing their work has been really influential for me in a variety of ways. And so I could name a lot of names and I'm grateful for so many different people I also am really grateful for these immediate collaborators that I have on all sides of me that are, that feel like Fila, Sydney, Rochelle, Samara, Katie, like these people that I'm working with today in my life feel like my elders as much as those who I have more of a reverence from afar are because I continue to learn from and with them. And I'm grateful for that, those aspects of chosen family and chosen artistic family as well. It was beautiful to see some of your compositions and choreography and film. Specifically, I think it was 368. Can you share a little bit about that? You've touched on how you have all these people in your community that sort of anchor you, that you learn from, that you exchange information, technique, and art with. So how does that show up in the film that you're doing and and the films that you may want to continue creating? Yeah. Ooh. Film became this necessary evil for so many performing artists this past year and a half. And I'd been Mm -hmm. deeply, I had a really big photography practice when I was in high school. I was very connected to it. And then that led me to get a little excited by film towards the end of my high school career. But then I kind of put everything down and dove into theater and dance when I got into college. But I've just been so grateful to have this opportunity to have to figure things out in real time. And for me to have this moment of, okay, well, someone commissioned me to do a short dance work like 368 that you're talking about. I don't have a camera besides my iPhone and I've been wanting to invest in a camera and learn it. And maybe this is when I do it. Oh, and also I don't know how to edit. And okay, this means that any single idea or choreography that I have of the, of the film composition itself, I have to learn it at that exact moment. And so it's been fun to share things that are truly me having to say, I didn't know how to do this, but I wanted to do it. And so I have to figure out how to do this specific thing while still having a wider interest and wanting to learn more about the foundations and entire world around so many forms. I have seen so much incredible video art and experimental film that has just really blown me over and that I've wanted to deepen my approach to in how I create performance work. But when my collaboration with Sydney King that I was speaking of, we used the time in this residency we had at Recess Art to think about what are all of the different ways that we can make something else out of 
mm-hmm. our bodies, out of working with plaster in our bodies. So we started setting up these weird different dance films where we would interact with these hardened pieces of plaster and play with light and reflection in the space and how we filmed it. And so film definitely feels like an extension. Everything feels like a choreographic extension. If I can think of it as a tool of making and manipulating and shifting movement, then I can figure out how I want to use that that thing, that tool, that practice, and film offers a new language for that of, okay, well, how do I want to see the body? Do I want to see the body in pieces? Do I want to see the body as a whole? And how long do I want the body to be revealed? How does that perspective change? What colors feel necessary? What ways of transitioning in and out of that visualization feel necessary? So, so many questions that I would ask when I'm choreographing a live performance come into the questions that I ask when I look at this editing software and I look at this camera and I say, I have to make something out of this. I don't know exactly how to do it, but let me start asking similar questions and then Googling whatever translation of those questions I can figure out. (laughs) No, I I totally understand you. It it has definitely forced a lot of creatives to to improvise in ways that I don't think many of us were prepared, but, you know, Mm. I think that's, that speaks to your resourcefulness that you were able to say, you know what, I'm going to figure it out because I have ideas and stories I want to tell and you've got it done and I'm sure you will keep getting it done. What does legacy mean to you? Legacy, I think, is really offering offering an example for community and care that can exist beyond you and that doesn't even have to be put towards you. I feel like legacy is a really silent beauty as well. It's about these spaces that have been established by others that continue to hold us. I think really distinctly about Thomas de France is this Black queer cultural writer and performance theorist, and he has this really beautiful essay called I Am Black, and he talks about the experience of walking into a dance performance by Black artists and seeing all of these other white audience members and knowing that he was experiencing this Black work with those audience members, but feeling the connection so deeply with the Black folks on stage, and then outside of that, feeling the connection so deeply to the Black folks who couldn't be present to witness that as well. And so anytime, I, I, am, I get so grateful to live in New York because the works that I get to see by friends and non-friends who are just beautiful black and brown folks producing art and creativity in a variety of ways. I am so excited by their willingness and interest in opening up a space for people that they might not even know are there yet. 
you know, when people mm. are making things for Black folks that they hope, like, I'm making something and I'm making it because I know it would have been very important and essential to me as a Black girl. And I hope that it can find someone else. And even if I'm not in a space with every single Black femme and, like, occupied by absolute popularity around me, I hope that someone will get to this somehow. And I think that that desire for something to get to someone, even when that space perhaps wasn't as available to you for so long when you were younger, that desire driving us, in my opinion, has made for all of these incredible legacy spaces, these places where people really have been invested in someone else, have been really invested in the possibility and the potential of Black Femmes finding space and love and joyousness in that space. And yeah, just thinking for yourself and out of a desire for yourself, but then knowing that that was going to create something beyond you. Anytime that a space has been opened up by another Black artist, Black Femme artist, I then feel more eager to open up a space around me that I'm making. And, get in the studio, even if it's with two other friends, even if it's with Rochelle and Sila, and saying, okay, well, I'm in this space. We're going to make something with each other. Who knows who it's going to touch, who it's going to get to, but mm-hmm. we hope to God because we care about each other really actively right now in this practice, then that will reverberate beyond us and that will become legacy. And so anytime that I have felt loved or cared for in a creative space or in the interception of someone else's creative act, that feels like someone's legacy really blowing me over in a way that I'm so grateful for. So what would be your hope and vision for your near future? My dream is always that me and all of my friends and some other young Black artists live in Bedsty together and all get to share brownstones in Bedsty and fill up the whole block together and can actually afford it with one another. And everyone's taking care of their kids together. And we get to actually have another generation of like block parties and young people and like healthy kids who are experiencing love and extended family in a way that feels necessary. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of mutual aid in this near 10-year future of mine, I think of any new being or um, person that comes into my life is folded into a network of care and responsibility. I think being responsible to people is a beautiful thing. And so I hope that I can become more people's responsibility and more people become responsible to me. And I'm practicing more doula work, that I'm practicing more and more each year, that I get to find a balance and I continue to find the people and they find me where our connection is really rich, which is always so necessary. Mm -hmm. You can't just be hired as like, oh, I'm hiring a doula. You have to connect with the person. And I hope that I can continue having fun working creatively in any aspect that I do because this is fun and I don't want it to stop being fun. I think that I get to have fun 
my friends should get to have fun. My community deserves to have fun because there are so many times where we have not been allowed to have fun. And so I'm really hopeful about that. And I want to put that out because we have to pursue, we have to move towards something. And so while we move towards whatever that better future hopefully will be, Mm -hmm. I hope we get to do it um, with a deep obligation to one another and living closely while doing it. I love having neighbors who are my friends. If this conversation is a capsule for your contribution to your community and your story at this time, is there anything else you would like to share? I would say I'm just excited to keep learning. It's been so beautiful to be on this podcast, but I would hope that if I ever opened up a capsule of me talking, at some point I would say, I am humbled by all of the things that I do not know. And I'm so excited for the next time that I get to talk about something and really remember, wow, I didn't know anything about this before. And so I'm very excited to hear who else is on this podcast and all that blossoms out of it for you because there are so many people that I want to have my ears and eyes open for. What's the best way community members can support you and your work? Yeah. So right now, the best way to keep up for all things Afropeach is our Instagram, which is at Afropeach underscore. We'll be launching our website and linking it there soon. And then for updates on Afropeach, my doula work, and all other aspects of my creative practice, ogemdiude.com, which is spelled O-G-E-M-D-I-U-D-E.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ogemdi, for this Thank amazing you. conversation. I learned a great deal. Shout out to Laundromat Project. This project is supported by them through the Creative Action Fund. Thank you to the listeners. Hopefully they learn a lot and see just how brilliant you are and talented and inspiring. So I look forward to seeing more of your work and I appreciate you taking the time to be here. So thank you so much. Until thank next time. Thank you.